Hi there, it's Brett. This is the Wednesday edition of the Mackling and McGarry podcast, minus the Mackling. He's back next week. Today, we had coffee and talked about, could our homes pass a health inspection with 58 Winnipeg establishments, restaurants, pools, community centers, having to temporarily shut down because of health violations? Would your home pass muster? Also, we're going to tell you about something called the Idea Mill, which sounds like a fabulous, fascinating place at the Millennium Library. Torque Beer, Torque Brewing. They raised 10000 bucks for Never Alone Foundation. We'll tell you how. And when you go on vacation, do you unplug? Because a new survey says many of us can't. Enjoy the podcast. Germaphobe. Also very lazy. It's a rough combination, lazy germaphobe. Because if the cleaning job's easy, like washing my hands, I do that compulsively like 500 times a day. But if it's more difficult, like mopping my floor, I've never done that. <laughs> I was rational and I said, hey, I've only been walking around the same floor for 10 years. How dirty can it be? Yeah, I might uh, have something to say about that one. It's... Uh, <laughs> Brett McGarry, Greg Mackling's away this week, and although I turn Greg's mic on compulsively anyway. Uh, we're going to have coffee and talk right now about could your home pass the health code? The most recent code violations in Manitoba, which had affected 58 establishments like restaurants and pools, community centers. So would our homes measure up? We just heard from the germ guy. Christian O'Mell's home clearly would not, as he winced in horror upon all the revelations that his home is a dirty, dirty, disgusting, <laughs> dank place. So how clean is your home? Do you think I could get a passing grade from the health inspector? Jeff, I'm going to start with you. Oh, um, a passing grade from the health inspector? Perhaps not. He's probably a little bit more picky than I am. Uh, like the comedian Todd Barry was mentioning in the clip of the floor, that's a pretty tall order to really get down to scrubbing that floor. But uh, as far as food and stuff goes, I'm pretty clean. I wash all my dishes and I keep the food in a sanitary way and make sure it's well cooked before I eat it. So I'm not like afraid of getting sick because my kitchen's dirty or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you strike me, are, are you, do you consider yourself a neat freak? I'm very tidy. Yeah. Like I've been to your place a couple of times yeah. and it is, there's nothing like, there's no clutter or anything. No, but there's also bookshelves in the bedroom and I don't spend any time in the bedroom except to sleep. So those bookshelves get awful dusty before I realize what's going on with them. <laughs> okay. But that's about, that's probably the worst. It gets dusty in spots. Jerry? My house is very clean. I, I do think that uh, I would pass, but not because of me, because of Sarah. Oh. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, even the, you're, they were talking about the floors. I, I steam up my floor about once a week. Um, I vacuum it once a week. Um, I clean the bathroom once a week. Um, and I, I close the lid to the toilet before I flush. And my toothbrush is behind glass in my medicine cabinet before I do that even. So, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, good for you, Kelly. That's why Jerry has never been sick. I, <laughs> he he I, has to not be sick. He's here all the time. Yeah, I, I almost can match what Jerry does. I don't steam mop, but uh, I mop the floors once a week. I vacuum once a week. Um, uh, as people around here know, I'm a little bit of a neat freak. I'm known as the... Uh, 
uh, the the kitchen police. I, I like to keep things nice and tidy. But what's the uh, the line from Friends? If it's not a right angle, it is a wrong angle. <laughs> <laughs> but my wife also does daycare, so you know there could be times when there's four little kids running around in our house. Okay. So if if it was one of those days when the health inspector came by, we'd get a big X nay. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. And what are you saying? Kids are gross? No, no, no. I'm just yes. saying. <laughs> yes, they are. Kids go outside and play, and kids forget to wipe their feet, and kids drop a lot of food on the floor and drop yeah. a lot of drinks on the floor, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and kids get sick a lot. My sister yeah. works at a daycare. She's always sick because the kids are always sick. Yeah. Um, so, no, good for you for keeping the house clean. Shanley? Uh Well, when it comes to the food prep, I think, I think I'd probably pass when it comes to that. Um, now, with the cleanliness, my method of cleaning is to invite somebody over, and then that way, like I have somebody coming over today, I'm forced to make sure that uh, I get my, I get my cleaning done. Oh, I thought you were just going to get them to clean your house. <laughs> No. Well, if you have friends who like to clean, it's funny because I was I've been I was ill for a while, so I got a little bit behind in my housework. And my boyfriend said, "You know, what? I'm going to be nice and I'm going to clean your kitchen for you." And it's not like I've never cleaned my kitchen before, but that place I have never seen my kitchen sparkle in the five years that I've owned my house. So he'd, he'd probably wow. been waiting five years for you to get sick so he could do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool that he took care of it like that. Yeah, that's. That's actually a great point, though. If you don't clean, but you do clean when you're when you have friends over, that I often that ends up being my impetus for cleaning. Sometimes I'll realize, wow, it's been like three weeks since I've vacuumed, or uh, it's been a while since I've cleaned the bathroom or whatever. So that would give me the motivation. I will confess, much like the comedian, mop the floor. I don't do that. <laughs> I, I'll vacuum and sweep it, but I never. I don't mop the floor. No, oh, and here's I'm he, gross. here's the trick: you have to invite friends over who you're not like super close with, because that way you're going to clean for them. But if you have friends who you're super comfortable with, it's like, hey, have you seen how I live? Oh, we don't mind your house, so you're less motivated to clean for them. Yeah, sometimes I'll have people over, and uh, and uh, if I haven't immediately tidied up, like uh, there's just a pile of magazines or whatever flyers that I haven't thrown away yet. Oh, sorry for the mess, and they'll say, oh, come on, you've seen our place. And then I think, oh, okay. But I don't want that to, to make me lazy. You think there's danger that if people come over and they say, oh, it's okay, that that could make you a lazy person, nah, a lazier person? I'm already lazy. So. Nah. <laughs> yeah. 204-780-6868. Could your home pass inspection? Or maybe we have some people here, and I'm not going to name the establishment, but here's a text about a restaurant. Someone should check out this restaurant uh, again. Won't say yes. it. I saw the Coke. The, the Coke. The cook have a large amount of hamburger hanging over the tiny sink where he washed his hands, and the water was splashing on. I'm assuming ground beef, and then wiped his hands on his uh, dirty, filthy apron. So, yeah. Yeah, you might probably get a. A little bit of a smack from the health inspector for that one. Smackling and McGarry minus the Mackling on 680 CJOB. I've got a great idea. Wouldn't you like to know? What is the most resilient parasite? Bacteria? A virus? An intestinal worm? An idea? Resilient, highly contagious. Once an idea has taken hold of the brain, it's almost impossible to eradicate. 
an idea that is fully formed, fully understood, that sticks. The Millennium Library is inviting you to get creative. A new space launched yesterday on the third floor of the library. It's called Idea Mill Makerspace. It offers access to all kinds of tools that people may otherwise not be able to use, like 3D printers or sewing machines, even sound booths. To tell us more about this, we're joined live on 680 CJOB by Aaron Seaburn, who is the Idea Mill librarian. Aaron, good morning to you. Morning. How are you? I'm doing well, and I'm. I got to tell you, I'm excited about this thing. I watched the video that you posted on the city's website, and uh, this looks like a ton of fun. What is your role going to be in the Idea Mill? Uh, well, I'm the the lead librarian here at the Idea Mill, so uh, I've been sort of playing with all the toys before everybody gets their hands on them. Okay. So the Idea Mill. Uh, I walk into it. What do I see? Uh, first, you see our, our 3D printers. They're uh, they're behind the desk. We uh, we sort of fire off the prints that you submit to us. So you can either create your own designs or you can go online, and there's lots of websites where you can find them. Uh, next up, you'll find our friendly staff desk, where uh, uh, my part-time staff will be on hand to assist and uh, sort of get you started on whatever it is you want to make or experiment with that day. Even the chairs, uh, there's one shot, there's a chair where it doesn't look like a chair. It looks more like a, just like a, a big sort of <laughs> smushy stool, but it looked like it was adjustable. Was I seeing that correctly? Yeah, you were. They're, they're a lot of fun. They're sort of uh, pedestals almost. So you can sit on them and there's a handle and you can adjust them and go up and down. So the idea behind those is you can slide up beside your friend and, you know, help them out and, and then pull the stool away. Uh, we've everything in the space has been made to uh, be adjustable or or uh, configurable. So uh, you might have noticed that there's uh, power bars hanging from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. So the, the computers are not in their final resting place. They can be moved around and, and reconfigured to uh, to suit the needs of the group. I also noticed that those pedestal stools you were talking about were green. I think I saw a fair amount of green in there. Was that by design? Because I've heard green has a particular effect on your brain. Uh, I'm not sure. I didn't pick the colors myself. Okay. Uh, so my boss, who is currently on mat leave, she picked a lot of the color schemes. So okay. that would be on her. You ever heard of a green room? Uh besides like a green screen no like uh, like they, they call it the green room where the band often or where, oh, where yeah, a band yeah, will go yeah. wait before they go on to play because green calms apparently it calms your your mind and it allows you to to be creative and think freely and all that so that, that fits perfectly in the idea mill one of the things that also excited me because i still have some of my old vhs tapes mm-hmm. is you have stations where you can digitize stuff yes we have uh digitization equipment for um, uh, LPs, uh, tape deck. We've got a VCR. <laughs> we had to dig that out of Value Village. Um, but yeah, so you can uh, hook that up to any of our computers, bring in your old media, and we will help you convert it to digital. We're not doing media to media just yet, but uh, if the demand is there, we might expand into that. So. What, what do you mean media to media? Uh, so I mean, you can't do v- like VHS to DVD right now. So you can do VHS to uh, like a MP4 or a digital format. Okay. That's still pretty cool, though. And you, you actually had to go to Value Village to buy a, v, a VCR? We did. We couldn't find it anywhere online. I mean, we, we checked Kijiji, but that's sort of, uh, you know, hit and miss sometimes. So we uh, went to Value Village, tested it out right there in the store, and, and uh, 
got one. I, I still have a functioning VCR in my closet. Uh, yeah, but I'm it, sure I've got one buried away somewhere, but, you know, now you also, being what they are. What they are. <laughs> you've also got a sound booth in there. I think part of the video showed a woman, was it, was it a ukulele she was playing? Yes, yeah. A couple of my staff members have uh, ukuleles that they play. I'm actually uh, talking to you in the sound booth right now because it's the quietest place in, uh, in space right now. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I appreciate that. There, there's no echo in there. No, exactly. So who is that? Is the sound booth for people who have always wanted to maybe test their metal at uh, being a recording musician? Yeah, um, the library actually does a podcast, and uh, we uh, they record their promos and their commercials in the, in the sound booths because it's uh, the quietest place in here. And uh, you know, we have uh, a couple, you know, a couple of people popped in yesterday and and tested it out, and they're like, "Oh, I'll definitely be back." You know, record some songs, some demos, maybe. Yeah, so it's definitely for people who are either uh, already in that but don't have the the required space, or who just want to try it out and and see uh, see where it goes. So what does all this have to do with a library? That's a very good question. Um, so maker spaces have been popping up in public libraries for the last decade or so. Um, and it, it's all about access and, uh, you know, c- connecting the community with um, pieces of technology that they might not have access to, might not be able to afford, or, you know, they don't know if they want to dive right into it, right? Because a lot of this stuff, um, like some of the software that we have on our computers is thousands of dollars. So if they don't know if they want to get that for themselves, they can come here and try it out and then either just use ours or purchase it for themselves. So um, it's uh, it's sort of the next step in access and uh, community engagement. Does it cost, an, <clears throat> excuse me, does it cost anything to get in there? Uh, no, you just need a library card. Uh, the only thing that has a small fee is the 3D printing. Uh, and that's just a material cost. So whatever material, the print that you submit uses, that's what we charge it. So it's 10 cents a gram. Oh, okay. And do you know what a typical item that someone uh, would make would Well, it can, it can vary. Uh, our very first print that got submitted yesterday was only a gram. It was actually a uh, small part, uh, an Ikea part um, that they don't make anymore. <laughs> and uh, he had contacted Ikea and he, they said, well, we can make one for you, but it'll cost you $50. But it was one gram, and it cost him ten cents. So <laughs> if that's not value returned, I don't know what is. That is amazing, Aaron Seaburn. This sounds like an amazing space. Uh, thank you for joining us to tell us about thanks this wonderful me. initiative that you're doing at the Millennium Library. Well, thanks for having me. Hope to see you down sometime. I will definitely come check it out. Aaron Seaburn is the librarian at the Idea Mill at the Millennium Library Idea Mill Makerspace. Check it out on the city's website. It looks amazing. <laughs> Is that saying the bee's knees? The beast needs more torque. The beast needs more torque. Okay. Because torque is the bee's knees. We're talking about beer. Torque Brewing, our friends at Torque Brewing. Six weeks ago, we told you about a special beer being sold for a worthy cause. Now, Torque Brewing's Foundation Beer, which is a delicious American pale ale, they raised $10,000 for the Never Alone Foundation which provides support for those affected by cancer. John Heim is president of Torque Brewing. He joins us now on 680 CJOB. John, congratulations to you, sir. Well, thank you very much. It was uh, mostly Manitobans we need to thank. 
But you know, it's still you guys. It's you guys who are driving this. Uh, Torque is very active in the community. You're very visual or visible in the community as well. You know, you see your trucks driving around and stuff. So, uh, without the effort that you guys put in, people wouldn't even know the beer was there to buy in the first place. Well, thank you. You're too kind. But uh, we do uh, we do love giving back. It's it's quite easy. And then when we uh, last year when we came up with the idea to partner with Habitat for Humanity with uh, a foundation beer. Uh, it worked out very well. And this year we uh, worked with Lyle and Michael at Never Alone Foundation, and it just made good sense to give back uh, as we sold beer. So it wouldn't have been possible without our partners at Tetro Design, Labels Unlimited, and Sterling Packaging because they threw in all their uh, creative efforts and packaging um, that allowed us to give $4 a carton back. Oh, four bucks a case. Oh, that's great. So how many, yeah. uh, how many boxes of beer did you sell then? I think we're just over 2100 right now. We do a dollar a pint in the tap room, and we've got some partners with, um, I believe, Underdogs and um, Tavern United are also donating at the retail level for us. How long is the beer going to be available? Well, it's a busy beer season. We've done four 30-hectoliter batches, so uh, that's just over 12,000 liters. I think this is it. So whatever is out in the wild right now is all that will be available to be purchased because we've got to actually start thinking about fall and winter beer right now. Oh, do you have any new recipes that you might uh, care to share with us right now? Well, we do have an American wheat coming out in August called Hoppy Jalopy. So that'll be a... a so how we like to play on the torque... Uh, mantra a little bit so that'll be an, an easy drinking citrusy hoppy beer and then we're moving into october and september with our witching hour and then we're going to do a marzen which is a traditional oktoberfest style beer called prost which is uh one of the main words that you yell out at oktoberfest which basically means cheers yeah and uh i just actually recently tried another one of your beers magnetic north which uh that it was a hefeweizen right yeah, that's a Hefeweizen, so it's a cloudy summer wheat, wheat beer, uh, a very nice style. People really enjoy it. It was part of the Liquor Mart's Coast to Coaster campaign. They do an in-store uh, local beer and uh, national beer campaign, so that way we are on flight two for that one. So you, this is, you've done the foundation beer now two years in a row. You mentioned Habitat for Humanity last year, uh, never alone this year. You made 10000 this year. Did that exceed what you made last year? I think we could have made a little bit more beer. As I said, the, the Manitobans are really enjoying Torque, so we beer is limited to tank space and retail space, so we do need to do some planning. We probably could have kept going, um, but we did budget and exceed sort of the 10000 We'll be able to sell the beer throughout the summer, just to, when the cartons are out, that will be it as far as the 12-packs are concerned. Okay. I think you'll do this again next year for... Another charity yeah, initiative? We're, working, we're, we're looking closely at maybe partnering up with Sunshine House. Um, they are working on a managed alcohol program of which Torque is going to help uh, train some brewers, get them interested in brewing, and offer a safe space for a managed alcohol program. So we're looking forward to making plans for that one for next spring. Well, John, uh, right on. Uh, good for you for already having that lined up and ready, almost ready to go. But before we let you go here, I should probably also mention that uh, the the Winnipeg Beer Festival is coming up next month, is it not? That is uh, August the 12th. I believe it runs from 6.30 to 9.30. Oh, my God, it's August 12th? Yes, sir. Ah, I'm out of town. 
Ah, oh, I'm out of town. I'll save you, I'll save you a beer. <laughs> okay. Uh, I went to it last year, though. Is it still at Fort Gibraltar? Still at Fort Gibraltar. Uh, there will be representation from the Manitoba Brewing Association members, of which we are up to 13 in the province. Also, Capital K, a local micro distiller. And I believe unlimited poutine for the evening. Oh, well, I'm, I'm very upset uh, that I can't make it. Sorry, man. Well, there'll be other things to look forward to. <laughs> okay. Hey, John, thanks as always for the access and uh, congratulations uh, on what you've done for Never Alone Foundation. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. John Heim is president of Torque Brewing once again. Their foundation beer, we told you about it a few weeks back. They raised $10,000 because of Manitobans and their generosity, and that money goes towards the Never Alone Foundation, which provides support for those affected by cancer. I don't know what's wrong with these kids today. Kids, who can understand anything they say? Kids, they're disobedient, disrespectful oafs. Noisy, crazy, sloppy, lazy loafers. So, on the subject, it's kids. behind the glass Jerry's farewell tour. <laughs> So I think he just played something that he he said, well, they're not going to they're not going to fire me. So I'm just going to play this. Exactly. <laughs> what was that? That's Bruce Campbell and Lucy Lawless singing the song Kids from Bye Bye Birdie. Where where are they singing that? That is from the end credits of um, Ash vs. Evil Dead in season three, episode three. Oh, my goodness. Okay. And why are you playing Bruce Campbell? I'm playing Bruce Campbell because I got a lovely uh, gift in the mail just yesterday from our listener, Kristen. Mm-hmm. Uh, she sent a lovely uh, card and notes uh, just congratulating me on the new uh, gig. And uh, she sent me a little Lego minifigure of Ashley J. Williams. Nice. It was I've never seen one before. Who is so Ashley cool. J. Williams, for That's, those who don't know? Uh, Bruce Campbell's character in the Evil Dead franchise. A.K.A. Ash. Ash, As yes. he's called, uh, The Ash versus Evil Dead. That's amazing. Thank you. So cool. It was I was I was just taken aback when I opened that up. It was amazing. Yeah. So, our listeners are great. Kristen is yes. uh is one of our most loyal listeners and she's very she's a sweetheart. Sends thank thank you very much, Kristen. Really appreciate that. Well, I'm glad. Are you gonna go home and buy like a complete Lego? Well, I'll have to get Evil the cabin and everything. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I wonder if that exists. It has to. If not, I'm sure there's some kind of a fan made version of it out there somewhere. Yeah. Um I haven't watched season three of that show, by the way. I haven't either. I've only seen up to the end of season two. Okay. Well, Kristen, hey, thanks for sending us that. American Survey suggests even when we're on vacation, many of us still can't unplug. How many of you are able to really go off the grid while you're supposed to be relaxing? Not many. Two-thirds of Americans tell Alamo Rental Car in a new survey they never unplug completely from work emails, texts, or social media on vacation. Most people say they're afraid of going rogue because it'll mean even more work for them when they get back or that they'll burden their co-workers. Another sad stat, 20% of those polled say they feel pressured to post vacation photos and then admit they get bummed out when they don't get enough likes. Sherry Preston, ABC News. To talk about this live, we are joined on 680 CJO by on loan from Hal Anderson Afternoons, Carolyn Clausen from Conexus Counseling. Carolyn, I've missed you. Oh, it's so great to talk to you. I've missed you too. I haven't forgotten about lunch either. I know we still have to take you out for lunch. <laughs> we still have to book it. You bet. <laughs> so uh, we only have a few minutes. We're used to having a half an hour with you in the afternoon. We've got four and a half minutes here. People being unable to unplug on vacation, how is that a bad thing for your your mental wellness? 
I think so. Um, the whole idea of vacations is to be able to pull back from work. And we hear people talk about, you know, when they go on vacation, it's a chance to unplug from work in a way that you can't when you're going five days a week, right? And vacations provide the quantity of time that quality relationships require. And so if you're still doing work, you don't get that chance to unplug in that cloud of pressure and stress that work just creates. It doesn't have a chance to disappear completely and you don't get a chance to just really sink into who you are, the surroundings around you, the people that you're with. And I think that that's unfortunate. What about the social media stuff? We heard Sherry Preston refer to the fact that people feel pressured to post vacation pictures and then they get sad when they they don't get enough likes. So just even having, let's say you're not doing work, but you're trying to do social media stuff. Do you think that's good or bad? Well, I think... I think it's not good uh, because I think what we are doing is we're starting to recognize that we're allowing the the feedback that we get from social media to define to define our self worth. And when we do that, we need a certain amount of likes to keep ourselves pumped up, and we forget that who we are is not based on how many likes we get, but based on who we are, that we have value because we're inherently human and have dignity because of that. And when we need a certain amount of likes, then we're we're going to social media to boost ourselves and then that takes away from us being present on vacation. And I think it's important to remember that the people with that you're with um, enjoying them is where we're going to get the enjoyment from life. So, and, and maybe one of the reasons why people end up doing social media is that's their main form of taking photographs, uh, whether it's uh, for example, just taking a shot right on Instagram and posting it immediately <laughs> Would the alternative? Would a suggestion then be instead of using your smartphone camera, would be to use just a camera, camera, then worry about posting <laughs> them later? What a novel thought! Right? I know, hey. Uh, there are some uh, vacation, like some travel agencies that are starting to offer vacation where they'll hold your phone for like twenty-two hours a day and then just give it to you for a limited amount of period because they recognize that when. People have enjoy themselves differently. And often we're so busy trying to capture the moments to remember them for later or to show our friends that we're not actually present fully ourselves. And so I think having a camera camera is great. But I think sometimes it's it's important to recognize that we have memories um, in our brain. And so if we just put down all the devices and just allow ourselves to be fully present and to capture these mental and emotional photographs of what it's like to be there, that we're going to remember it maybe better than if we're so busy looking through um, a camera or a phone to be able to take pictures that we're not fully present in the moment. You just can't enjoy a sunset over the ocean in the same way when you're looking you know, through a little peephole to be able to take a good picture. Yeah, and uh, that's good. I'm glad that we're having this conversation because I just went through this last week, Carolyn, when I was on vacation and uh, it was a nice relaxing cabin setting, uh, couples resort. But, you know, both of us were trying to post on social media and I was getting frustrated because she had a better signal than I did. So <laughs> I spent half of, I, not half of my time is an exaggeration, but I spent a fair amount of time you know, just trying to like hold my phone up to the sky, hoping I'd get a better signal. And then I was just frustrated over the dot. Like I was mad because I couldn't get a signal to post a picture while I was on vacation. That, and, and that just as I say that, I sound like an idiot. Well, I'm just going to let you describe it for yourself. But <laughs> that, <laughs> that same study said that 53% of people actually wish they could take a vacation from social media while they're on vacation. 
And if over half the people wish that they could do that, it's surprising and somewhat disheartening that we can't just give ourselves permission to do it. That somehow some of us need to go to places where there is no signal completely or they take our phones away in order to be able to do that. And I think we as a culture need to learn how to just say, I'm on vacation or I'm spending the evening with my family and so I'm going to turn the device off and I'm going to put it away and I'm going to choose not to have it be even on my radar. And that's something that we're just starting to realize how valuable and important that is. That's Carolyn Clausen with Connexus Counseling talking about how many of us feel like we can't unplug when we're on vacation. Website, by the way, connexuscounseling.ca. She has a wonderful blog there. Make sure you check it out. She's our old friend from the afternoon. Mackling and McGarry used to speak with her every Thursday afternoon from 2.30 to 3. Now... Hal Anderson speaks with her every Thursday afternoon from 2.30 to 3. We just borrowed her for today. My name is Brett McGarry of Mackling and McGarry. Greg is back next week. Behind the Glass Jerry, the the farewell tour. We didn't get any of your voices in today. What kind of an accent you want? South African. No. (laughs) (laughs) That's the one he can't do. (laughs) We'll do more tomorrow. Uh, Shannon Levedal, content producer. We all thank you for listening to CJOB. (laughs) 